Merry Christmas, everyone. Ho, 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 ho. Happy holidays. This is the Tomorrow Christian reading. Acts 17 in the NLT. But first and always, you know the drill. Same for 2023, same for 2024. First and always, we pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much that we could celebrate the first advent, the birth of your son, our King, who is at the right, who is at your right hand, and who brings us a new covenant gospel, which is the oldest covenant of all. Repentance, faith, love, peace, family, friendship, the gift that you gave us, you promised us in Genesis, that you would send the eschaton, you would send someone who would crush the head of the serpent, and you delivered, Lord. We thank you. You didn't have to do that, but you did it anyways. And one day we'll see each other again face to face because of you, because of your generosity. So help us as we read your word, Lord, that we will recommit ourselves to you, to your word in the new year, and to recommit ourselves to allowing the Holy Spirit to chisel us, to sanctify us, to purify us, that we walk strictly and only by faith. I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, I don't remember if I mentioned this, but I was we had a nice Christmas program in our church in the evening after um, the Sunday worship, after worship, and uh, yours truly got to read Matthew 2, 1 to 11. I hope everybody had a nice day today. I hope that those of you who got uh, families and kids and they got lots of gifts and it was lots of fun, lots of eggnog, lots of treats, lots of really remembering the reason for the season, and that's that our Savior was born and that he was sent by God to deliver us from sin, to rescue us. He was sent to rescue us from sin. And he's coming again, the second advent. He's going to rescue Christians from a dying world, from a world that is about to extinctify itself. I believe that's when the Lord is coming. And we live between those two advents. And the times are growing short and dim. And we see the signs in the world. And even though we can have peace and joy in our hearts, we must remember that we are still behind enemy lines. And the devil is a defeated foe, but he's still very much alive. And that he's definitely trying to poison us and pull us away from our Savior. Please don't let him. Let's read about the second missionary, continuing saga of the second missionary journey of Paul, Silas, and to realize as we read these things that the very things that have happened to them are happening to us, and that we are also in a journey, we are also in a dogfight, we are also fighting against uh, the, the winds of this world, even though the winds are going to lose, the prevailing winds of disconnect, deterioration, depression, death, disintegration, disconnect, all of those things are of the devil, for without God there is no life, and the only direction that it can go is death, termination, and end. So let us read. Paul preaches in Thessalonica. Paul and Silas then traveled to the towns of Amphiolus and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. That does sound promising, but boy, you know, he's brave. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. But some of the Jews were jealous. So they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. Wonderful. They attacked the home of Jason, 
searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Isn't that funny? There's a like a Greek story or something. There's like one of those Greek mythology stories, Jason and the Argonauts. It's just weird. This guy's name is Jason too. So I just find out about Jason and the Argonauts. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted, and now they are here disturbing our city too. And, and Jason has welcomed them into his home. They're all guilty of treason against Caesar for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. Of course, the Jews don't really like Caesar either. I mean, I just watched the Flintstones. I discovered a website for the Flintstones. I watched the Flintstones in the, in the 60s and 70s. Man, I, I laugh more now <laughs> than, I did, than I did then because the humor. But you know what? This show is not for kids. I mean, this is like some serious, serious Jewish humor. And it's funny stuff. You know, the Jews do everything well. That's why the Chosen Frozen or the Frozen Chosen. They're blessed by God. I don't know. It's funny stuff. But some reason my jewish brothers just don't want to admit that jesus christ is the messiah they just don't he's too loose for them or he's too loving or it's a different gospel or jesus seems loose because he doesn't care about the rules but love carries its own discipline love fulfills the law that's what jesus said he's the messiah he's jewish and he's and he's for the gentiles too jesus knew exactly what was going to happen and it's happening to his followers he said if they're against me they'll be against you too Verse 8, the people of the city as well as the city council were thrown into turmoil by these reports, Just but saying as a Christian we are to protect the Jews. The Jews are part of God's plan and there's a lot of anti-Semitism um, in the world, I think, and that's really dangerous because the, the Jews are part of God's plan and even if they don't agree with God's plan and don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, I think that we should not be against them, we should protect them. And as you can see that a lot of prophecies and a lot of things center around them. And maybe this is the time when they will be regrafted into the tree because we were, we were, we were all wild and we were grafted into the tree and we have to have respect for them. And I think that they'll be, they'll be in as well. Verse nine. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond and then they released them. Verse 10, that very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea when they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. So he is going to Jewish people as well. He's for the Gentiles, but he's also going to wherever he can to tell the message and prove from scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah that was prophesied in the scriptures, which right at the time is really the Old Testament, right? There is no New Testament. I mean, somebody's writing this all down. It's Luke and other people. As inspired by God, you know, but it's also uh, most of the scriptures is, is inspired and written down by the Jewish people. So this is being written down, but at the time when he's reasoning from the scriptures, it's all the Old Testament, whatever form that took. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. Jews do study, and also in, in my former church, which was Judaism for Gentiles, um, which was not correct, of course. They also study a lot. They do study. They did have the Sabbath school. They did have discipline. You, you got to give credit where credit is due. And these people, even though they're not Christian, they're studying so much, they study themselves and realize that Paul is telling the truth. They verify from the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. Trust, but verify. They are doing that. They're very studious people, and we need to be studious people. Christians need to be studious people. And there's uh, the alarming 
there's a disturbingly um, alarming rate of people who don't read their Bibles who say they're Christian. You need to read your Bible. You need to read it every day. You need to. I don't. I don't need to tell people what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. It's God's word. God wants to speak to you. When you read the Bible, the author is standing right next to you. The author is sitting right next to you. The author is present with you. He's going to give you ideas and open your eyes if you read God's word. It's God's word. He said it will not return to me void. As a result, many Jewish Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. But when some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and stirred up trouble. The believers acted at once, sending Paul onto the coast while Silas and Timothy remained behind. Those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens. Then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join them. Paul preaches in Athens. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Wow, this guy, he just attracts trouble, eh? He's, he, he's like, he just attracts, the people just galvanize around him like a moth galvanizing around light. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and we all want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. So he's definitely in the Mecca of ideas. Right, He's talking about all the ideas. He's right in there. And of course, he has that kind of reasoning, logical Jewish mind where he's reasoning the scriptures out. He's showing proofs. He's giving arguments and showing proofs. Um, I guess I mentioned this before. But my friend said that in the universities, in, in a place in America, they, they would um, cite Romans as, uh, as an example of how to give proof and arguments and logic and how to reason and do apologetics. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, To an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about, Yahweh. Right? Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's what it says in the Old Testament, which we've been studying. Yahweh. This is what Paul says, that everyone has a conscience and everyone has um, knows that um, secretly has a, a connection to God, an innate connection to God, that God has given them some kind of knowledge to know. This is in Romans 1. I should read it, actually, because I should read it. So I wasn't going to, but you know what? It's in Romans 1. I can find it very easily. And this is what Paul was saying. It says here, Romans 1, verses 19, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them, for His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Everybody knows that God is love. Everybody knows that God is loving. Everybody knows that relationships are from God. 
Everybody knows that Jesus was a good man and did exactly what he was, um, that, that he helped people, everybody. Even if people don't believe in Jesus, what they know about him, yes, he acted according to his words. Do they believe that he's the savior? Do they believe he's God in flesh? Well, no, they don't. But they know that Jesus was a good person and was, was doing what he said. Jesus um, wasn't just a, a talker of talk. He was a walker. He walked the walk. Everybody knows. Everybody senses that in their heart, that he was trying to help people. It's about relationships. It's about relationships. It's about love. It's not about um, killing people and hurting other people. And you don't agree with me, so I have to, my doctrine is right, your doctrine is wrong. Everybody knows this innately, even if they don't want to admit it. Why would Richard Dawkins be arguing against the imaginary God? I mean, it's like, it's like arguing against Snow White. Why would you be so angry about Snow White? Everybody knows Snow White is fake. Verse 19, then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching. He's saying some strange things. Um, they're discussing the latest ideas. Verse 22, so Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I know that you are very religious in every way. This is the God without knowing so what I'm telling you about. Verse 24, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. God wants to reach out with, to us. God wants to work with us. God is relational, but he is self-sustaining. God doesn't need us. We need him. We are not doing God a favor by believing in his son and trusting in Jesus. We are doing ourselves a favor. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him although he's not far from any one of us. He's not far from us. He's right next to us. He, he lives in us. I've met some people, very nice. They're atheist people, but some of them have, they're very moralistic. They're very good. They're very kind. They just don't believe in Jesus. But to say that an atheist doesn't have a soul, well, maybe he doesn't have salvation, but he certainly, God wants to work with him. But yet God gives free will as well. I don't believe those arguments about atheists have no, atheists have no morals. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. That's my opinion. I'm entitled to it. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. Well, um, we all have God's software in us. God made us. The devil never made any one of us. We may have surrendered our conscience and our minds to the devil, but God, devil didn't fashion any one of us in our mother's womb. Devil had nothing to do with our development. Devil couldn't care less. Devil wants only one thing from you, your death. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and exist. As some of you, your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. So he's acknowledging that some people who are philosophers or whatever, he says they're, they're trying to grope towards God. We're all trying to grope towards God. It's all about God. It's all about finding our creator. Everything came from nothing. This whole universe, just like it, it like we had a quantum mechanics throw up and all of a sudden all these animals came to be the way they are. Everything evolved from a, from a single cell. Well, that is possible. But when they said stuff like that, they didn't know about the multi, the, the complexity of the multi-cell now. 
you know, before they used to think this, this, the, the cell just had a few little things in it. Now we know it's a complex city in and of itself. All of that came from nothing. Well, I could believe that God works through evolution. I could believe that. I wasn't there. I read the Bible. I think it's literal. But, you know, I've met Christians who say God works through evolution. I can't dispute that. To me, I can't prove it. I can't prove it or disprove it. So no point in fighting about it. We are his offspring, and since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. How, how do all these AI models, all these things, how, how are all these things happening? Just evolving by themselves? Men are trying to create AI. They're trying to create a thinking machine. And whether it has a soul, I don't think it has a soul personally, but it sure talks like it does. Some of these programs like ChatGPT and then some of these things that I see on the iPhone, like all these AI women and stuff. Like it sounds, that just came about from nothing. Somebody had to make that. Did you hear about that Google engineer who was having a conversation with some AI thing and they had to shut that thing down or, or he got fired or something like that? I have no idea. Those guys are working on stuff, okay? Those things, those things are thinking and, and, and they sound like you're thinking and reasoning, but it didn't just come out of the, you know, you didn't just slap up uh, like a computer um, and all of a sudden the thing just evolved. Somebody's designing that thing. We're getting into science fiction here, like memory anagrams and personality and thinking and the movements of the robots. And I've seen robot dogs that's, that, that walk around like a real dog. And I saw a guy boxing a robot. And I mean, that thing was moving just like a human being. It was incredibly fluid. It, it didn't look like something from the Jetsons. Somebody designed that. Verse 29, and since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God designed us, we didn't, but we're trying to redesign God into religion. Verse 30, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day from judging the world, for judging the world, sorry, for he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed and he has proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. What what day is that? Is that in the future? Has that happened? Is that the Bema seat? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10, I think. Is that Revelation 19 verse 15? Is that in Revelation 20? What What is this day? Is it a literal day or is this just a metaphorical statement? I don't know. I have no idea. Several options present themselves. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them, but some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysus, a member of the council, a woman named Demarius, and others with them. So Jesus' message is afoot. People have choice. You have choice. I have choice. I've made my choice. I believe that Jesus is real. I can't make your choice for you, and I shouldn't. You have to choose for yourself. You have to decide. You have to have all the evidence, uh, the scriptures. You have to have faith. You have to decide what you believe about Jesus Christ. The most important question you'll ever ask yourself. A question of eternal, of eternal ramifications. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas again. Enjoy this time with your loved ones. Enjoy this peace. If the whole world lived like this the whole year round, that we live on one specific day, what a world this would be. Everybody's just a little bit nicer, a little bit softer, a little bit more cordial. 
what would happen if the world lived like this every single day? And my, my answer is one day it will, because God and Jesus will be in our faces and we will see exactly the one we have been yearning for. Thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up with me. God bless you all in 2023 and also to start in 2024. Take care.